Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. I'm your host, Louise Solis, and with me is another one of my very, very talented friends, our guest barkeep, the one, the only, Torrent Swain. How's it going? It's going. Good to see you. Yes, it's, it's been, been a, a while. Minute. It's, it's been, been a, a minute. While. You've crashed the show once or twice, though. You've crashed my bar a few times, so. Well, you know, turn around is fair play, right? Yeah. <laughs> fair exchange. <laughs> so, um... I have a little, a little trivia for you, but uh, to start off, um, did you know that Albert Einstein was quoted saying, genius is 1% talent and 99% hard work? Um, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, I think I live by that. Uh, anyone that can come up with <laughs> like a theory out of nothing. It would be Albert Einstein. Well, and it would kind of show some hard work was involved, I Absolutely. believe. Absolutely. Some dedication and focus. True, very true. So I think we have plenty of examples that kind of point out that or illustrate that point. So I'm just going to start pointing and going to ask you a few things. Okay. Did you know that um, Abraham Lincoln had like many, many businesses fail? Yes. And he actually went bankrupt twice and he lost 26 campaigns for, for office. Well, I mean, we have other people that are in office that have been bankrupt a few times, mm. too. So I, I, it's not point. outside of the question. Speaking of points, It's not yes, out of the well question taken. for someone to be able to, re <laughs> you know, reach that office, apparently. Apparently. Not now. Um, and did you know that Beethoven, his teachers actually labeled him as hopeless and told his parents that he was too stupid to be a composer. You know what I believe? What do you believe? He probably was in the autism spectrum. Probably. And You're right. They didn't know. I really truly believe that um, our, our, you know, that part of humanity that yep. exists in that in that space. In that spectrum. I on think the spectrum. I think we're the outs. We're the outliers. Could to be. Them. Could I be. I think they they exist at a higher existence. Maybe it's the know? idea of being able to focus or it to be so singular, and where we find it as oh, it's less than. It may be greater than um, in certain aspects. Well, interesting. Right. Interestingly enough, there's a company called SAP that has an Indian outpost uh, in India uh -huh. um, where the CEO or the VP of that particular branch, his son was autistic, which spurred him to do research, which spurred him to find ways to employ people in the spectrum. Awesome. Because they can, so because they are a technological firm and they do a lot of things with computers and programs yep. and things like that, autistic people are people excuse me people with autism that's yes. how you say it are better suited to test huh. uh, applications and programs than his other testers were so huh. i found that interesting I that is that interesting week. i would definitely be too short of my attention span would be too short yes me as well <laughs> me as well and then here's another one. Did you know that Stephen King, his first book, Carrie, was actually rejected 30 times to the point he threw it in the trash and his wife is the one who pulled it out and said, no, 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 try again. And it was and it proves my point that you probably should always, always listen to your wife. Is that so? Uh-huh. As that a wife, I think it's a very strong that statement. That might be why I don't have one. <laughs> there might be a few reasons there, but that's a whole nother show, Torrance. A whole nother show. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay, last but not least, and you might know this one. Um, that was a joke. Um, um, so the man who said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. On 26 occasions, I have been entrusted to take the game-winning shot and miss. I know who this is. Yes, he's very famous. Um, I have failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. And he was actually cut from his high school basketball team. 
Oh, you talking about Michael Jordan? Absolutely. I that's thought you were talking about Wayne Gretzky, though. Oh, Wayne Gretzky. Because he said you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yeah, he did. He did. So it is all about just finding that, having you know the depth of your soul to continue and overcome, which takes a lot, and which actually brings me to today's designated drinker, who also has shown great signs of strength and tenacity. So Torrance, please help me welcome a true comeback kid, author, educator, and coach, Kristen Caulfield. Kristen Cofield. Cofield. Author, educator, and culinary disruptor. There you Ooh, go. I like that word, disruptor. Yeah. Yeah, I like I was trying to get there, but you know. Disrupt, like Uber is a disruptor. Yes. You know, and uh, who else was a disruptor? Oh, Microsoft. Me. Oh, yes. you're a disruptor as well? Yes. You just disrupted my bar a few times. Just a Tell few me times. more about your disruptor. <laughs> it's not as healthy as Kristen's <laughs> at all. <laughs> Good for the soul, maybe. But yes, yeah, so tell us, you know, and I hinted that you obviously you have some, uh, you've had a really interesting journey that has, uh, you and I have spoken a little and I have a little insight and, and I really would like for you to share with our listeners because it isn't quite the, it's quite an inspiring story. Well, thank you. And that's a, that's a great lead in. I love all those questions that you guys exchanged because they're also very provocative about how we live in these almost self-imposed constraints about what we think our lives are supposed to be like. Yep. And when our life doesn't turn out that way, it can either level you or you become, you know, the phoenix from the flames and you pick yourself up by your bootstraps and you figure out if every other door is shut, where's that open window? You know, because that's really what you have to do. We have to pivot when life doesn't give us what we think we were supposed to get. That's interesting, pivot. That's a really great way of putting it. Really great way. And, and my journey is not that different than many people's journey. I think um, many people find themselves like I did. I found myself in my 50s, married to a successful guy, living in the suburbs, three beautiful kids in private school, I had had my own company. I had a catering company. My, my medium has always been food. So I food has been my means for love and money, and that's how I show you I care about you. I bring you a meal or invite you for a meal. And um, so food is, I, I had this catering company, and I catered congressional fundraisers in Washington. And all of a sudden, I had these three kids in three different schools, a husband that worked all the time. And I was like, oh my God, somebody's got to raise these children. I mean, I didn't have these kids just to, you know, kind of yeah. like let the babysitter do it. And uh, so I sold my business and, and then my life took a really interesting turn. Um, at that point, I had given away some of my financial independence. Yep. <clears throat> And now I was really depending on my husband. And when we talk about um, the spectrum, there's all kinds of ends of the spectrum. We've got ADD and ADHD, and we've got autism. And so we are all sort of walking around with these different areas of what might be considered an ability, a special ability. I, I don't want to say a disability. Yeah. I think it's just, it's like, a a special ability that lets us do wonderful things in certain areas. Right. However, sometimes when you're in a conventional space, that doesn't really work. So yeah. 
I'm married to this great guy who's a brilliant um, attorney, and um, he is working for himself, which isn't always the best fit. So I've got three kids, three different schools, I've sold my business, and all of a sudden things start to change in my life. My mom's cancer comes back. My dad has Alzheimer's. We start to have some financial struggles. Uh, kids leave home, go to college. I've got a kid playing a Division I college sport. Um, our financial troubles get worse. I'm diagnosed with thyroid cancer, and my dog dies. Oh, and it's wow. just like, oh my God. So this takes place over, you know, about a 10-year period. So I go from having this big world where I am, you know, I'm, I have a, I'm entertaining like Martha Stewart. I have a business. I've got a, a social life. I've got my arms around everything. To I am just trying to get through each day and figure out how I'm going to pay tuitions. I'm taking money from this account and putting it in that account. I'm dealing with parents who are failing. And one day, I just, I'm in my bed, and the first thought I have is, how am I going to get through this day? Like, I can't wait to go back to bed. And then I would get back into bed at night, and my life was so filled with anxiety that I couldn't sleep. So it was just, I, I, it was a situation I never imagined myself in. And I think that happens to lots of people. I am not alone, where all of a sudden, this life you imagine for yourself turns out differently. And you're like, what, what am I going to do? Yeah. What am I going to do? So one day I, I woke up and I literally had this thought to myself where I'm like, okay, this cannot be what the universe imagined for me. This cannot be the divine plan for Kristen Cofield. And I can't control all these things that are going on. I can't control the finances. I can't control other people's health. Um, I can't control, you know, that my dog is dying. <laughs> and, but what I can control, I can control what's on the end of my fork. I can control what I'm eating. So I start with that thing, that thing I have used my whole life, food, which I have made a living yep. with food. I have made a, used food to show everybody I love them. Now I need to use food to show me how I love me. So I start on the end of the fork and I start controlling what I'm eating and I get rid of all the things in my diet that might be bringing me down. I control the caffeine, I control the alcohol, I get rid of the gluten, I get rid of the sugar. I start eating foods as fuel. I'm eating fruits and vegetables and whole grains and I start to feel better because at least I can control this one thing. Well, I am not sleeping as I think we've already ascertained. <laughs> I am, I'm lying in my bed fretting so what the heck? I can lie here at 5 a.m. or I can get my fanny to the gym and I can start working out. So now I'm working out five mornings a week at 5 a.m. Well, guess what that does? That changes your body. That gets your positive endorphins going. So now I'm eating right, I'm exercising, I start to look a whole lot different. I like myself again, my confidence is coming back and I've got the bandwidth to deal with some of these problems. And I do, you know, we sold our house, we rebooted, we got, we did a lot of work on our marriage. Um, I think we mentioned when I walked in, I'm like, I'm a success story. You know, um, I was able to repurpose my husband, you know, and, and, and my marriage. And um, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother that's show. A whole, that's a whole nother, that's nother show. Wait a minute, Let's just listen to your wife and get repurposed. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Marriage, here I come. Yeah. Sign, 
<laughs> sign up. But I have to say, my marriage is stronger now than it ever was before. We are having more fun. You know, if you can do the hard work, there is good stuff on the other side. If you can fail that many times and pick yourself back up and keep moving forward, there are good things ahead. And my, like I said, my story's not unique. And my ability to reboot my life is not unique to me. Anyone can do it. But the problem is, nobody's really written this playbook for how you reboot your life when the bleep hits the fan, right? Yeah. You know, so how do you reboot your life when you almost have nothing to reboot it with, you know? And, and for me, I consider myself to be one of the most capable people. And when I look back and see how I had made myself a victim, you know? Yeah. I had kind of like, in my own way, I had enabled this to go on longer than it should have. And, you know, I was problem solving, but I was actually keeping the problem going. So I started on the end of my fork. I rebooted. I ended up getting an amazing job, which I, um, I left a, a little over a year ago. But at the same time, I started the culinary cure. And that was my way of kind of creating this playbook for how I was rebooting my own life with recipes and formulas for creating a morning routine and a bedtime routine and, and literally biohacking all the conditions that I could control within my life. So what's like, a, it, it's, it's obviously a mouthful, that was a lot. How would you, how does someone even begin? Because when you're that far out, and a lot of people struggle with weight, I'm one of them my entire life, and, and it's funny is that you say you simply control at the end of the fork, it's a bigger, it's a bigger than that. It's so yeah. much bigger, because it's, it's the emotions, it's, the, it's your history, it's your, the way you were raised, all of those things, it's you're in a bad mood, it's gray, it's, you know, all of those things come into play. What is, do you have like just that a little like nugget if, 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 to say, this, here's how that really, that, I, I know that's trying to like well, bring but, it down, but that. It, but you're, you're, you're really, it's, this is a really that's what huge, is. important piece of the whole equation. It is freaking overwhelming, everything you just said. Yep. You know, it's like there's, we're all being bombarded with so much information about what we should be doing. Yeah. And as my story shows, I just had, I could only start with one thing. So you pick that one thing. And I tell every single person I coach, the one thing should be water. Most of us don't drink enough water. And here we are on the, I am the designated drinker today. So I, I came to you really hydrated. well hydrated. Um, because hydration is the low-hanging fruit of wellness. Can, there we you, go. can you explain, because I hear a different number for how many ounces a day. Can you just? You bet. <laughs> I have got a formula. And so I, what I say to people is, the goal is, 10 ounces an hour for 10 hours a day. Okay. Because anybody can drink 10 ounces of water in an hour. The goal is not to drink 100 ounces of water in one sitting because that would just go through you. The goal is to start your day. Your first beverage of the day should be water because when we're sleeping, our body is in fast mode. So 
Sleep is so important because between the hours of 11 and 2, our body is doing these really important metabolic processes. It's literally, that spinal fluid is coming up and we're literally power washing our brains. So we should be as, try to be asleep, and I know that's hard in the hospitality industry, <laughs> to be asleep between 11 and 2. To sleep at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but the first beverage of the day really shouldn't be a caffeinated beverage, it should be water. So if you start your day rehydrating after the fast that occurs during sleep, you can get your, your first 10 ounces of water done. And then you just sort of sip on water. If you're not measuring it, you're probably not drinking enough. Um, but I know in the hospitality industry and restaurants, you know, everybody's uh, drinking out of the, uh, the plastic the quart, quart containers, containers yes. you know. So that, that should be kind of your goal is 10 ounces an hour, 10 hours a day. And if you start when you get up in the morning, you're pretty much done before dinner. So what that does, what hydration does is, first of all, if you're even a little bit dehydrated, it can make you feel cranky and hangry. It can lead to poor food decisions and poor beverage decisions. So, you know, you never want to be a thirsty drinker when you go to get your cocktail, your mezcal <laughs> cocktail, which I know is coming my way. Um, because if you're a thirsty drinker, you're going to drink too fast. So by being well hydrated, you're kind of putting the odds in your favor to uh, make better food and beverage choices. Interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah, and they just put you in a better mood, which usually gets me a better cocktail. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I know that you have the culinary cure, and you've given us a little tidbit, which are great. Um, what are some of the things that you do with your clients? Mm. Um, so my signature program is the Kitchen Intervention. So <laughs> long before Marie Kondo was spiking joy um, and she was organizing her crayons in preschool, I was going into people's kitchens and taking everything out that doesn't serve them on a healthy shopping, cooking, and eating journey. So my kitchen would be empty right now. Your kitchen would be empty. It'd be a, it would be a clean slate. Yeah. <laughs> but think about it. Think about this this way. In the blue zones where people live longer and healthier lives than any place else on earth, most of these blue zones, people do not have fancy kitchens or fancy cooking equipment. They're working with really Rustic. basic yeah. equipment, but they're eating simpler foods. They're not eating processed foods. Processed anything is really not great for us. And that's where we're getting into trouble, you know, with this Western diet. People are eating foods that have been altered tremendously from their original healthy form. And that's everything from our um, carbohydrates and potatoes um, to, to our, the oils we cook with to uh, many of the beverages, even wine um, that we drink. So, you know, the important thing is to create the conditions of life for the life you want to live. And that's what I did in my own life. I controlled the conditions I could, and I created conditions to support the life I wanted to live. So by going into somebody's kitchen, I get rid of everything that doesn't serve them, I strip it down to what they really need in its most basic form, and then I set them up with a simple shopping, cooking, and eating plan. And most of us only need food Monday through Thursday. And there's only two types of food. There's functional food, and there's celebratory food. 
So what happens is, is people get really confused and they're like eating celebratory when they should be having functional food. Food in its most simple form is fuel. And that's what calories are. Calori yep. Calories yep. are energy. Yeah. Is this an example of celebratory versus functional? Sometimes <laughs> when I'm just out to lunch while I'm working, I'll have a salad mm -hmm. because I know I want to have like something really, uh, I don't know, indulgent for mm -hmm. dinner. Mm -hmm. That's the celebratory. Right. right. So okay. you know the celebratory is coming. So what you're doing, you're kind of biohacking the situation. You're, you're playing with your food using it as fuel. In a good way. In a good way, yeah. Well, Your mother's we, not gonna smack you for it this yeah, time. Yeah, no, not this time. But you're using it to, um, to achieve your end goal, mm -hmm. which is I know I'm gonna be eating celebratory food. I really don't need celebratory food at lunchtime. I need fuel at lunchtime to help me get to that place because I'm gonna have a glass of wine or a cocktail. I'm gonna eat you know, the richer food. And by having that lunch, I'm putting the odds in my favor that I'm gonna feel better about okay. that. Yeah, it's. Uh, it, I think what happens is, and often when people are running fast, life is just getting like you're in that rat, rat race. You do eat for fuel, but you're eating celebratory, even though it might be like it's. A, you grab the burger, you grab the fries because it's quick and easy, mm -hmm. um, and it's not. It's and you're eating mindless, but you really are. You're you're hungry, and so you're trying to fuel the body, but you're picking the wrong foods in which to fuel with is what I'm hearing you say. Right, because <laughs> what you eat matters and how you eat matters. So yes. um, not having a plan is kind of planning to fail. And if you know you're gonna be running around, even just throwing an apple in your bag can make a huge difference. And um, I would say an apple is a great example because an apple a day is really a thing. An apple is filled with the essential prebiotic fiber that we need to nourish gut health and help you know keep those probiotics healthy so apples are a great grab and go for you know when you know you're going to be running around making little packets of nuts is great too um, a hard-boiled egg an avocado toast I, I wrote an article on how to avoid being hangry and things you could get at a literally at a gas station rest stop. Yeah. You know, you can always get water as much as we hate single use plastics. And um, you can usually get nuts or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's best to have a plan because we, we do lead busy lives and that shouldn't be an excuse for eating mindlessly. Yeah. I think it's where we end up. You know what? I'm I'm a little mindless right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think I'm getting a little time? thirsty. Is Excuse all this time? water. Getting thirsty. Mm, the wrong okay. kind of thirsty, oh. but I'm thirsty. Okay. <laughs> Do you want, you want me to tell you a little bit about what I plan to make? Absolutely. So, uh, we talked a little bit about agave spirits earlier. I, I, I try not to say that or promote agave spirits as the healthiest because I'm a little biased. A little. Just a little. But it's okay. We love you for Silencio that. Silencio Mezcal, but... It is true, agave spirits are better for you when you're out having fun and celebrating. Um, so today, um, in relation or in respect to Ms. Cofield, yes. we are going to do a retox, to, uh, while you detox cocktail. There it's gonna go. be mezcal, which is an agave spirit. Yes. Um, coconut water, aloe water, and a little bit of honey. 
honey. Yeah, honey. Yeah, honey. I'm hoping all those foods can be in my kitchen, maybe. They, they all work. And one of the reasons that I love tequila is because tequila has one of the most unique sugars in all the alcohols. The sugars in tequila are called agavans, and what we like about them is they don't spike blood sugar. They actually have been shown to potentially regulate insulin in the blood. Really? So um, I like to think that tequila is your friend. <laughs> and, it's definitely my friend. Um, <laughs> and that it is less of a depressant because of the effect on the blood alcohol and blood sugars. Huh. Who knew? Who knew? Well, I, I, like, I like it. Exactly. <laughs> you, apparently you did. Now we all know. I'm so happy so what to you doing get there? this news. So I'm going with uh, one and a half ounces of Silencio Espadine. It's an 86 proof single varietal mezcal that is absolutely delicious in a cocktail. It's very um, easily mixed with some coconut water and aloe water in equal parts. Huh. So what makes aloe water aloe water? Does anyone know? I mean, I really believe this is just what they squeeze out of a oh. aloe. Um, I think it's absolutely delicious. Sometimes when I'm drinking it, I feel a little guilty because I normally just drink either water or club soda when I'm having a leisurely kind of yeah. like refresher because I'm, you know, kind of conscious of sugar intake because yeah. I'm a pastry guy. So I try to keep my sugars out of my drinks. So Get your sugar elsewhere, right? Exactly. Um, but it is absolutely delicious, um, especially in, in the heat of the day in the summertime. Nice. I find it very refreshing and almost like reviving. There you go. So I did this cocktail because I just wanted to have something that was a little lower in ABV mm -hmm. and also Special. had some hydration qualities to it nice. while you're imbibing. Um, I did add a little bit of lime juice to kind of freshen the cocktail up and temper some of the sweetness of the other ingredients. Nice. So I'm going to ice these two glasses Wonderful. down to shaker ten and shake make it up. cocktails. Shake it up. And I love that. I, I love those ingredients, and um, I love the fact that it is um, rehydrating too, which is nice. So how do you usually have your tequila? So our house drink is something we call the Chihuahua. It's a sassy little drink with a bite. You can get the recipe at theculinarycure.com. It's a muddled jalapeno, um, blanco tequila, but you could make it with mezcal, um, fresh squeezed pink grapefruit juice, a squeeze of a lime, and a little seltzer. I will say she is the oh. first guest who wasn't uh, one of your types as a barkeep who came with her own recipe oh, on the that's show. Beautiful. She gets a A plus for that. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, how lovely. And um, I love that you're dialing down the sugar because liquid sugars are some of the worst sugars. They go right into our bloodstream and spike our blood sugar. So oh. if, you're, if you're drinking this, um, what I like to think is perhaps a little better for you alcohol with the tequila, yes. uh, you don't want to offset that by throwing in so much sugar that sugar. you lose that benefit. Nice. Cheers. Cheers. Salud. Cheers. <laughs> smells delicious. Oh, and it tastes just... Cheers. Yes. Thank you. Thanks, Torrance. Mm -mm. Yeah. See, not nice. too sweet, refreshing. Very. 
What I also mm. like too is Love it, it really balances the smoke on on the mezcal. I mean, you came with a very nice mezcal. Sometimes you have a mezcal drink, and it's like you just smack me in the face with the bag of ash. So <laughs> if I could, if I could be a little philosophic about yes. mezcal, so please, mezcal really kind of follows the pattern of whiskey in America. Yes, how it had to go underground for a while before it was revived and brought back. <clears throat> so mezcal is made in the hills and mountains. Um, in the, the rural parts of Mex uh, southern Mexico, southwestern Mex Mexico, Oaxaca being the center of most mezcal making, there are definitely other territories, but each family has their own way of making mezcal, just like an American whiskey, right? Yeah. So what you have is a, a different philosophy about how smoky it is, uh, how it tastes, how floral it might be, how earthy it might be, and that all goes back to the single villages that yeah. Ron Cooper uh, promotes and, and creates and brought to uh, to market maybe about 20 years ago. Single village just means that this village makes this mezcal this way with this agave. And it's such a nuanced and, and beautiful world of spirits. It, it kind of mimics what wine is in other parts of the world, how yeah. all these different varietals of grapes and you, had a, you have a producer that has a particular style and the terroir and all that. The same influences in wine kind of are mimicked in mezcal. So if you look at mezcal as how it's produced, as a kind of a kind of parallel to what happened in American whiskey, and if you look at the agaves they get used as varietals of grapes, it's kind of how those two worlds come together. Interesting. So a lot of people get confused between tequila and mezcal. Can you right. demystify that? Yes, absolutely. So tequila is a very highly regulated spirit. It can only come from five different regions of Mexico, and it can only be made from one type of agave. Um, agave the world of agave is far-ranging, and there's many different ones, but only one, that's the Blue Weber agave, can be used in tequila. The other, uh, the other difference is how that agave is a very long-standing, hardy plant. It's very dense in its uh, material, so like when to be able to harvest the the sugars from the agave that are necessary in fer fermentation, you have to cook the agave. So in tequila, that pina is cooked in a steam oven or an autoclave. Uh, what that does is bring those sugars out, it gets crushed, it gets put into a fermentation tank, distilled yes. and, and put into a bottle. In mezcal, you can use over 40 different kinds of agave and the, roast, the, the cooking method is a roast. It happens in the ground over an open fire that is down in a pit for so anywhere from 72 hours to five days. And what that does is that, that smoke component that you get in the flavor profile, that comes yeah. from that roasting, that caramelization that happens over that open fire. Of course, like the wood and the, the charcoal that gets used sometimes imparts a different flavor, um, totally dissimilar from tequila. There are also two different kinds of roasting methods, so that's why some mezcals are a little more smokier than the others. It's because there's a direct roast that happens where you just, you build the fire, you put the agaves in, you cover it up, and it's right there. Oh, how interesting. Uh, in our production method, we use a layer of volcanic rock in between the fire and the agaves. So the, uh, the smoky flavor profile is a little less apparent yeah. uh, than some of our, uh, our friends that make mezcal. But in my opinion, like there's no there's no bad way to make it. Just different, yeah. There's like just different like you like like to to the point of wine, it, it, there is like there, uh, 
don't get me wrong, I've had a lot of bad wine, <laughs> but it was bad in my opinion. It could have been, it's perfect for somebody else. It, you know, I don't precisely. like big fruit jam. You know, I don't like right. jam in a glass. So give right. me a little funk, a goat walk through some barnyard. Right. I'm perfect. That is not meant for everyone. <laughs> right. So those are the main differences. We can get a lot more technical about well, and it. And I, um, I think it's important for people to know if they don't like a super smoky mezcal, th there are other less smoky mezcals to try because right. this is delicious. I can't imagine anybody wouldn't love this. Well, thank you very much. I mean, yeah. we're proud of what we do. Absolutely. I'm happy you do it <laughs> as I continue to keep drinking my drink. Yeah. Exactly. This could turn into drunk history and no time flies. Oh, yeah. I like drunk history. I'm part of drunk history, actually. Are you? Yes. Nice. I have some history of being drunk. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? The history of Mezcal. <laughs> so a little bird told me you have a book coming. I do. I have a book coming out. It won't be out until 2021. It's called How Healthy People Eat, and it's a um, culinary kitchen companion. But uh, I, I have a course that's coming out actually in 2020. So if anybody wants to do a DIY kitchen intervention, um, I'm going to have the course for you. So awesome. they can... Find out more by going to theculinarycure.com, and all of that information is on there. Okay, so we'll, we'll even make it easier. So, Torrance, you're going to put all those tips, tricks, and how-tos on designateddrinker.show, right, for this yeah, cocktail? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And I'm probably going to have to, I don't really need her to, to take away from my kitchen. I'm just going to throw it all away. It's probably, <laughs> none of it's probably going to make the cut. <laughs> just tell me how to build it back. <laughs> Less is more. I'm joking, really. It's not that bad. It's not as bad as it used to be. There you go. There's this like this one cabinet that it's is funny like, how we get as we get older, we're like, okay, it's time. Yeah. <laughs> well, or, or the flip side, you go, oh, I, I have, um, I have sage in my spice cabinet, and then you look at it, and it's like 10 years old. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's and barrel aged. So that's it's right. <laughs> it has no flavor. It's worthless. And yeah. herbs and spices are really um, are culinary pharmacy so we need all those things to be fresh so if you were going to kind of start where you are i would say just go through and throw out everything that's expired right that's your starting oh. point yes condiments we, have, oh. we all have a tendency yeah. of holding on to those things yeah. you can keep your mustards that's gina, about it. gina did that to my bar it was really, it was a whole episode. It was really pretty. You probably had some vermouths back there that wasn't in the Okay, fridge. I did not break that, I did okay. not commit that crime, but Bravo. I had some other, like I had some St. Germain that had some stuff in it. Things. She's like, Louise, <laughs> you know, wait a minute. Louise. It was fermented food. Yes. That's good for you. She's like, this can make you sick. And I'm like, oh. oh. And I, I had some bad bitters in there too. I bad did. bitters. Well, old, so. Sounds like a punk rock band. It does. Old bitters. Bad bitters. <laughs> <laughs> Friday at 9.30. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we usually have a way to end the show, but I would really like you to end this show. It's a little different. Not everyone gets health tips at Designated Drinker. We can talk about having a healthy drinking habit. Um, but, so I'd like, you mentioned that there are five healthy fats that we should all know about, right? Did you not tell me that? Five healthy facts? Not, well, no, fat, fats, fats. Oh, the healthy fats. fats. Yes. yes the, the healthy fats. This is a good one. Yeah, mm -hmm. so this is a good way for us to, we know we got to do some cleanup work in our kitchen. We know we got to have some more mezcal, more water, and these five fats. Right. So first of all, I just want to reiterate the water. 
because hydration is the low-hanging fruit of wellness yes. and everybody can do it doesn't cost any money you can start where you are use what you have do what you can with that um, that's a quote by Arthur Ashe I love it <laughs> um, but the health the fats are complicated for people like so many aspects of wellness people are overwhelmed with information about what what should I be cooking with what shouldn't I be cooking with well here's the deal you shouldn't be cooking with anything that wasn't around when your great-grandparents were cooking. So there are only five healthy fats that we can cook with. Butter, and I love me some good grass-fed mm -hmm. yeah. butter. Mm. <laughs> I eat it like cheese. I love it. Um, wow. Oh, I, oh, come on. I mean, Have you never There's love, and then there's love. <laughs> Have you never spread butter on a cracker? Oh, I mean, yeah. There's about the eight best, jokes that right? I just didn't make. Go ahead. Okay. So, so butter, coconut oil, and for people who are like, oh, I don't like coconut flavor, get expeller pressed coconut oil. It won't have a real coconut. What was that again? Expeller, expeller. pressed. Expeller. Okay. Um, butter, coconut oil, olive oil, avocado oil, and lard. Yeah. From grass-fed animals, obviously lard. Yeah. Um, so that's it. So ditch the canola oil, ditch the grapeseed oil. If you have nut oils, you can use them, but sparingly. So buy sm the smallest containers you can of them because nut oils oils can go rancid quickly. Yeah. But these other oils, uh, canola oil is rapeseed oil. Uh, who, I don't even know what that is. What yeah. is a rapeseed? Um, grapeseed oil. Hello, have you ever seen a grapeseed? They're tiny. They're not known for being oily. So what's happened is, is these waste products, so Crisco is cottonseed oil. Did you know that? She told me that yeah. the other day. I Crisco? was like, cottonseed oil. Crisco is marketing genius. So lard was expensive. Yep. And cotton was cheap, and cotton seeds were a byproduct, and somebody figured out you could do this 10-step process that involved bleaches and deodorizers, and you could create this white substance that looked like lard. So you can make something out of, out of trash, literally, yeah. and start to market it. So Chris, Crisco is considered one of the best marketing um, platforms yes. ever for a product that's literally not good for us um, because oh, we're wow. not supposed to eat cotton seeds. And, um, <laughs> so I, but I like sesame oil, like to so drizzle. So that's a finishing oil. Okay. So and and so, so you shouldn't really be cooking, cooking with, with that it, yeah. a whole lot. Even if you're using it in your walk, you're only putting it in at the end just to flavor. So okay. I feel better now. Yeah. <laughs> so no. So but Check the but one. the ones you cook with, and if you want to do high heat cooking, lar uh, lard is pretty good for that. Mm -hmm. um, and don't use your fancy extra virgin olive oil. Just use your virgin olive oil if you want to do some high, higher heat cooking. But yeah, you but never I'll... want your oil to smoke because when we change the molecular structure of those oils, that's when we create those, those toxins that create inflammation in the body. So we want to dial down inflammation every chance we get. We want to save our celebratory foods for when it's really worth it. And we want to use our food functionally to fuel our best lives and our best health cheers that to that beautiful cheers to that i'm glad to, i'm glad to know that you know when i eat like a sensible breakfast on monday that i'm doing the right thing on monday should i yeah ask? on monday sundays is like brunch like, yeah let's get it sunday's a two meal day it's yeah. brunch and supper right <laughs> um what's your healthy breakfast just curious um i will do some avocado and maybe an egg Maybe toast. I try to stay away from bread because I'm on the portly side of things. So no, I'm you're trying not. to lay yes. 
I yeah. mean, I'm just, nah. mm. you know, I mean, I'm trying to get just there. more so to love. Here's, here's, a bread, here's a bread <laughs> tip. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here's a, here's a bread tip for you. So if you're going to look for a bread, look for a sprouted grain. I love bread, sprouted grain. Because that it's is going to give you more benefits. So it's all about so taking out. the things we do that we love, you know, dieting doesn't work this is about creating lifestyle. a lifestyle lifestyle is everything. and giving people the tools to trade up or trade down so they can use food to fuel this this life that's filled with fun and friends and food but not food that's making us you know fat and sick and old before you, our time you right. know the times i get discouraged what's that when I see poutine on the menu and oh. I just want it bad. <laughs> At your celebratory. So the poutine. Celebr it's like two or three days in no, one serving of celebration. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's uh, let's uh, let's go find some sprouted bread. <laughs> it's really good on a peanut butter and jelly. And, and I go. do have a I do have a gift for anybody listening to the show. Oh, wonderful! They can. Um, I think you put a link to it on I your did. website. We will, absolutely. But you can get my Culinary Cure RX, and it's like a prescription for helping anybody get started doing a little bit better and using food as a tool. Okay, Monday morning, that's us. Right. All right, here we go. Thanks. <laughs>